Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. We're in the second month of the year and we've already seen an impressive year-to-date rally in the stock market to kick off the year. But will this momentum continue? Will 2023 be a repeat of 2022 or something different? Well, joining us on the phone today to tell us how investors should be positioned this year is Samuel Rhee, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Endowis. Samuel, welcome back to the show. Hi, Elvin. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Hi, thank you for joining us today. Okay, just to start off, how are markets faring at the moment? Are they exceeding your expectations? I mean, it's a bit bit of a mixed mood today. Yeah, today it is. But um, I think obviously 2022 was a painful year for all Mm -hmm. of us who invest in the markets. Uh, But I think the market bottomed out probably around October, November 2022. And since then, we've seen a relatively strong rebound in both equities and fixed income. Um, While there was a bit of a lull in December, I think that has continued into this year. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a strong rebound. And so, yes, markets are probably doing better than what most people expected. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is positively surprising on the upside. Uh, but will it go up in a straight line? Probably not. Mm. Um, so we'll have to see how that um, you know, pans out this year. Of course, we're going to see ups and downs. But overall, though, can this rally continue, perhaps even through the rest of the year? Um, we're cautiously optimistic. I think, obviously, volatility is the nature of markets, as we mm-hmm. said, right? And that, you know, where there is uncertainty, there is more volatility. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, as investors, we have to accept volatility and risk because that's what leads to better returns. Mm-hmm. Um, we've probably passed the maximum level of uncertainty, especially when it comes to China and the US, mm-hmm. the two key uh, economies and the two key markets in the world. Mm. Um, China, from a policy perspective about COVID restrictions and you know real estate policies, they've relaxed um, monetary policy and they are being a bit supportive to growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and COVID restrictions being removed, obviously, is a positive. In the U.S., the Fed has been very, very sharp in tightening uh, in, interest rates and therefore uh, gain, reining in, trying to rein in inflation. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of uncertainty of how much are they going to raise, how fast are they, they going to raise, where is going to be the peak interest rates, and is, is inflation coming down? Now I think we're passing that maximum level of uncertainty, right. and things are becoming a bit more visible in these particular areas that we've been concerned mm-hmm. about. And that's part of the reason why I think there is a relief rally in financial markets. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we can't predict the future. There are, I'm sure, other things that we haven't predicted or thought about that will come out throughout through the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But to your specific question, I think we are cautiously optimistic and probably fixed income, probably we're a little bit more higher conviction than equities. Mm-hmm. But there is a scenario where I think both will do relatively well and probably better than maybe people expect this year. Mm, so with that optimistic view, you know, some experts are pointing to buying the current dip. So is it better to buy equities now or should we wait? Yeah, uh, great question and a question that we get asked a lot at Endowas <laughs> um, from our clients and mm-hmm. investors generally. First of all, I think let's, let's revisit what financial markets are and what they do. Mm. Now, equity markets are the best selection of companies globally. You know, if you buy a globally diversified index in equity markets, 
they're, they're the best companies in the world. You don't have your local coffee shop listed in a stock market or a crummy company that, you know, in the middle of nowhere listed on the stock market. The stock market has already selected some of the best companies, mm. profitable companies to be represented in financial equity markets in particular. Mm. And so the best companies actually rise to the top. They grow, they become a higher market capitalization, and they take a bigger piece of the index. Mm -hmm. So there is a natural selection process within equity markets to gravitate to the top, uh, the best companies, the cream rises to the top. Mm -hmm. And so you're exposing yourself to the best companies that are executing the financial markets as millions of tens of millions of participants pricing information and data, you know, live. Uh, every day and discovering the right price and value for these companies. Mm -hmm. So my point is that the equity market historically has always trended higher right. despite having volatility. Last year was a 20% fall, mm -hmm. uh, one of the largest falls in history. Right. You know, other than the 2008-9 crisis, global crisis, these are very rare cases. Mm -hmm. So there's only been like three cases in the last 50 years of 20% plus falls in a calendar year. Mm -hmm. And therefore, valuations are more reasonable, although they may not be cheap everywhere, especially in the US, but you know, emerging markets and other markets would be cheap. Um, so over the long term, if you buy something after a sharp correction, the probability that you're entering the market at a lower point at a better valuation reduces the risk of investing mm -hmm. in markets. And that's the idea of buying the dips. Right. Um, and but the other thing is that we cannot time the bottom. We cannot time these exactly. things to perfection. And mm -hmm. so a regular recurring investment helps reduce the risk. It increases our peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, it changes our behavior. We don't panic and sell at the bottom or chase the market right. on the way up. There's a disciplined approach of either a monthly or whenever markets fall by 5%, just have a system that works for you and stick to it. Mm -hmm. And so buying the dips is something that people do and we you know, wholeheartedly support that. You're definitely right. Well, you know, earlier this year, I saw an article that was talking about some of the worst sectors that were outperforming mm. in the beginning of this year. So what sectors do you see performing the best this year? Yeah, I think the, the, what, the, what we call um, those uh, reversals mm -hmm. are, you know, um, you know, these things always happen whenever yeah. there's a sharp fall and especially the things that fell the most, mm -hmm. um, you know, even if it's low quality, normally rebounds the most initially. Mm -hmm. uh, but n normally those rebounds are not sustainable unless there's fundamentals that back it up. Right. Um, so some of the rises recently we've seen is in the technology companies mm -hmm. and the growth stocks. Um, which last year underperformed massively. So when the market did 20%, the value stocks only fell by 5% mm -hmm. or single digits. But these growth stocks fell by 40%, some of them as much as 70 80%. Mm. So obviously that looks cheap. And when, uh, when the markets have a lot of short sellers as well because they're bearish about the markets, those get exceedingly punished. And then when the market turns, they rebound the most initially. Mm -hmm. But that's an initial reaction. But it has to be backed by fundamentals right. of earnings, value, growth. Um, and so if that company is a quality company, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I don't know, like good companies and brands that you know very well, mm -hmm. then those companies uh, that have quality will sustain that rally. I don't know, Tencent is a great example, mm -hmm. right, that has rebounded very sharply. But obviously you will chase, uh, you will be facing valuation risk as well. Um, I would like to broaden that discussion to not just sectors, uh, but maybe even countries. Okay. So U.S. versus rest of the world or U.S. versus emerging markets. 
Mm-hmm. We can say that, you know, relative growth looks better, policy looks more attractive. Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. underperformance versus emerging markets may continue. Mm-hmm. And one of the key factors to that is what the U.S. dollar does. After strengthening a lot, if it weakens, then that, that's actually a positive for emerging markets and Asia where we are net dollar short. Okay. So in terms of sectors, in terms of countries, in terms of factors like value versus growth, uh, there's different ways to cut the pie uh, mm-hmm. of financial markets. And I think there's opportunities in each of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Now, I want to move on to a more economic-based question. You know, several economic right. data, it's, it showed inflation may be cooling, but it's it's still not there yet, at least not up to what policymakers want, especially what we heard overnight from Fed policymakers. So, are mm-hmm. you know, do you think market participants have been too complacent? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's an interesting question, and we're right in the thick of things right now, yeah. still. Um, and a lot of this is what the Fed Chairman Powell says is data dependent. So we'll mm-hmm. have to see the data to interpret it and see where it's headed because there's so much uncertainty still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where is inflation, you know, the, the the biggest concern? I think it's the U.S. obviously because they dictate global monetary policy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and where is it going? It's definitely peaked. That I think everybody agrees on. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation is coming down. And inflation, by definition, is not an absolute number. It's an index, which means it's a year-on-year percentage growth that we're looking at, right. or a month-on-month percentage growth. Now, the month-on-month percentage growth peaked at like 0.6%, 7%, sometimes hitting 0.89%. Mm-hmm. It's come down to 02 or 3 If mm-hmm. the month-on-month number remains at that kind of level because of the high base effect, then the year-on-year number starts coming down from the 9% down to the 6%, down to the 5%, 4% level. Mm-hmm. So throughout the year, I think that inflation um, against a very high base last year, year-on-year will start coming down further. You know, where the bottom is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the market is more optimistic than the Fed. Now, the Fed has to continue to speak about, you know, tightening, have to do the Fed speak because... Mm-hmm. They don't want inflation expectations to be sticky. Right. They want people to understand that, look, if, if inflation stays high, then we're going to continue to raise interest rates, and therefore you guys better back off. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the message the Fed is saying, right. Thing, right? right? So we have to remember that the market is probably more right than wrong because the Fed has an intention mm. that is different from what the reality is. Okay. And if you look at what happened last year, the market was actually right and the Fed was wrong. Mm-hmm. They were behind the curve. They, the market consistently thought inflation would be higher. And the market interest rate um, in, in the treasuries reflected the need for the Fed to increase interest rates throughout last year. Mm-hmm. So they, the market was ahead by two, three months, sometimes mm-hmm. as much as four, five months, ahead of the Fed actually raising interest rates. So when people say, hey, the Fed's going to increase rates further, it doesn't matter because the market's already reflected it. Yeah. And so where we are now, I think markets are probably going to be right, mm-hmm. and inflation probably is going to come off a bit more, and interest rates are probably going to be peaking and coming down earlier than what the Fed is saying that they will do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and one of the big themes this year was, I mean, it still is recession, right? You know, fears of a global Mm. recession are still growing. Do you think a global recession is likely to happen this year? And how will markets likely respond to that? Yeah, that's the million dollar question (laughs) right now. Um, So I think people are moving away from inflation to Mm -hmm. fears of growth. 
Um, and the interesting thing is the world is diverging again. Mm -hmm. The U.S. is clearly the market and the economy that people are worried about. Because mm -hmm. if, for example, the Fed over tight and monetary conditions are, you know, are getting much worse and you see the housing price collapse or consumer demand collapses, then yes, the risk of a recession in the U.S. is rising. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the rest of the world, US, uh, China actually um, recorded a 3% growth last year. Okay. And in that was just, um, you know, it, it did a uh, fund management company survey of about 60 fund management companies, our partners, um, to get their forecast for global growth, U.S. growth, China growth, and Fed rates and interest rate inflations and stuff. Um, and the consensus view growth is actually going to be flat this year, 2.9%, uh, mm -hmm. same as last year, with the U.S. slowing down slightly and China and the rest of the world actually accelerating a little bit. Mm -hmm. So global recession is probably unlikely. Is a U.S. recession possible? I think it's possible, but mm. it's complicated by the fact that the U.S. has a unique system of, you know, announcing a recession. Everywhere else is two negative growth, uh, quarterly growth. Uh, that is a recession. In the U.S., the conference board decides what the recession is later on, later on ex post. Right. So we don't know whether it's a recession until much, much later after we're well past it. Mm. So think about 2020 COVID. The crisis hit. The markets went down 30%, 25%, 30%. And we didn't even enter recession. Mm -hmm. So recession and economic numbers are always backward looking and they normally are confirmed later. Mm -hmm. And the market and equity markets and fixed income markets normally reflect those recessionary concerns earlier uh, as a leading indicator. Mm -hmm. So honestly, where we are, I think recession globally is probably unlikely. Okay. Uh, and that's why the market is responding slightly more positively recently. Okay, okay. So in this kind of market environment, does a 60-40 portfolio work? Yeah, last year was a horrible year <laughs> for everything, but the 60-40 portfolio as well, mm -hmm. because obviously 60-40 means 60% equity, 40% fixed income. Yeah. And both equities and fixed income fell by double digits. Uh, mm. fixed income by 10% or more uh, generally, and then equities by 20% or more. So right. obviously the 60-40 did badly. It's actually the worst 60-40 performance oh, no. in the history of mankind. Oh my goodness. And so it was a terrible year for 60-40. But if you look at the statistics uh, of how the 60-40 portfolio does uh, after a terrible year, Mm -hmm. um, and that's most important here, they normally return a 7.4% return the okay. year after. And then um, over three years, uh, it generates a 17% plus return and over five years, a 37% return. So mm -hmm. uh, generally, after a really bad year, 60-40 does really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. And if you see already what the markets are doing, uh, we talked about this last third quarter in the Endowers quarterly outlook. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we said that the fixed income looks much more attractive. And since then, we've had almost a double-digit rebound in fixed income. Equities have rebounded. So the 60-40 has come back. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the 60-40 is very relevant. Mm. But it doesn't have to be 60-40, I think is the point. That it could be a 50-50 portfolio, or it could be a 40-60 portfolio, but a balanced portfolio of some equities and maybe a slightly more allocation to fixed income is mm -hmm. probably the right strategy right now. Okay, okay. So very quickly now, because we're almost out of time, but yep. how can investors better position themselves this year and what are some of the investment trends you're expecting? Yeah, I think that investors have an opportunity to start getting wait, putting wading back into the markets because I think there's a lot of investors who were scared by the markets last year 
um, they should be encouraged by what the markets have done recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and because valuations are lower, the markets are starting to come back. And you don't want to miss uh, being in that market when the markets continue to rally. So I think you should be invested into mm-hmm. some degree. Um, and, you know, you have to be exposed in the areas where I think risk-adjusted returns look better. So value and quality over growth. Mm-hmm. Emerging market in Asia, probably over the U.S., Mm. Um, and fixed income probably slightly more than equities. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can build a balanced portfolio over the long term um, and really truly lower the cost of investing, which is what Endowse is about as well, mm. um, that can really help you because every cost that you save increases the returns that you generate. Mm. Um, so the bottom line is that you should be investing and not be just sticking to T-bills and you know fixed deposits because you're scared. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Samuel, for joining me today. No, thank you, Hongbin. Thank you. We've been speaking with Samuel Ree, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Endowist. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.